Welcome to the podcast, Life to the Fool, with Nancy Campbell, founder and publisher of Above Rubies. Where we learn to forgive in that home. Hello, ladies. Always great to be with you. And I am so excited today because I have my dear friend and neighbor, Erin Harrison, with me again. And uh, so we'll be talking together today. Erin has done a number of podcasts with me. In fact, you'll most probably remember that um, she did the We Love Our Kitchens. Uh, We did that together, three podcasts, and they were the most popular podcasts of 2022. So... uh, As I started last week, we were on this new series of transmitting God's ways to the next generation, and uh, we're going to talk more about that today. Uh, Before we get on to uh, a new subject under this heading, um, I do want to give you one more testimony. I ended last uh, week with sharing with you how Evangeline came to know the Lord at only four years of age, but how all these years later uh, that that moment is still as real with her today as when it happened. And uh, I'll just read you. Uh, what my son Rocklin, how what he said when I asked him, well, do you remember when you came to know Jesus? And he was also only four years of age. Now, Rocky, he is 55 years today. So this is something that is still lasting all these years. And he said, after my mother read the story of Nicodemus to us in our kitchen, I asked her if I could also be born again. I look back at this experience as the start of my conscious relationship with Jesus Christ. This experience burned into my life. Many Christians who are saved when they are adults see part of their life from a worldly aspect, and now they have a Christian aspect. I found that growing and learning with Christ in my life affected my understanding of everything in life from a God point of view. I saw and learned everything from a biblical perspective. This shaped my life. And so, uh, remember, lovely ladies, we were talking about how it's such an important thing to seek to bring our children to Jesus at an early age. The devil wants them. He's out to get our children. The sooner that Jesus can get hold of them, the better. And when Jesus comes into their lives, even at a young age, they have living within them, as the scripture says, Christ in you, the hope of glory. And that changes how we can train them in the ways of the Lord. Because, I mean, how can we really change of our own volition? It's only the work of Christ in us. And so when they're being disobedient and rebellious, we can talk to them and say, "Um, now, 
Jesus is living in you now. And you've got to choose whether you're going to say yes to the devil who's still wanting to get at you and your old nature that still wants to rise up. But Jesus is in you. He wants to live his life in you. And you can say yes to Jesus. And and as we teach our children this way, they learn to walk in victory from a young age instead of starting it when they're an adult. So it's a wonderful thing. And now, okay, I will introduce you, uh, Erin, to you again, although you already know her. Now, uh, did you read Above Ruby's 99? Because Erin shared her testimony. Well, she's written a number of times in Above Ruby's, but she shared the testimony of her adopting Alex and Catherine, both very special needs children. And, oh, I just can hardly even explain to you the miracles. It's unbelievable. I mean, when, when Aaron got little Alex, he was a vegetable and was going to be a vegetable for his life. Tell us. Well, first of all, I will give a virtual curtsy with my little dress on. Curtsy? Oh. Yes, I should have told you. Sitting beside me, I have this princess. She's in this beautiful gold dress, and it just looks so gorgeous. And, and um, yes, I just wish we were on, um, what would you say, TV? No, um, a talk show. Yes. <laughs> yes, but then I'm glad you can't see me. <laughs> well, when we first got him, I... The first thing that came to my mind when I saw his little body coming forth out of the vehicle in the parking lot, I thought, this is not what they told me. They told me he was just a normal little four-year-old boy, and here he was. He had this huge head. His head was almost the size of his entire body, and he was grunting and and throwing things across, and and he just couldn't... um, he couldn't walk. He couldn't really do much of anything. He was just well, they said in he a would crib. never walk, and well, he would. Ne- he was tube fed. Yeah, and he would never eat, never talk. Yep, never do anything. They give, didn't give him very much hope for his future at all. In fact, I didn't even know how many years that he would even live in that kind of condition because he had so many different medications and so many different. Like, I had to have a room made just for him in our house. My husband made it just to store all of his medical equipment because he had all these different machines that he had to be hooked up to to help him to live. And And when he first came, you had 24-hour nurses coming in and out to keep him alive. Right. And that, that was kind of a big deal because, you know, I mean, most of us in this um, homeschool, um, home church type realm in our communities, we, we often shy away from things that kind of put us into a precarious situation where we've got somebody monitoring everything we say and do, like you're in the court of law. So right off the bat, I was, I was on the edge of my seat thinking, 
that they could call CPS at any moment for any sort of reason, because that's just, you hear about this stuff all the time. So it wasn't a real desirable situation. So the doctor even asked me if I wanted to change my mind, because he was like, you know, this is a lot. This is a lot to bite off. And this child isn't getting any better. So I, I mean, we don't blame you one single bit if you turn around and walk the other way, um, because this is a lot and you weren't, you didn't, you didn't know what you were bargaining for when, when they called you. I mean, they were not very honest with you. And that night, uh, I told all of, um, I told Miss Nancy Campbell here and I told, uh, my parents and I told Evangeline and I tried to get some wise counsel and everybody told me to go the other way because it just seemed like such an impossible situation. Mm-hmm. Everybody thought it was scary and I'd never I wouldn't be able to have a life anymore. I would just be chained up to this this um this medical suite that I would have to be nursing over this child and dealing with all these nurses and and I had a dream that night and the Lord brought me into, it was a very prophetic dream. I saw myself walking through a biblical times type of a scenario where there was people in dressed in robes and they were all over the ground just crying and, and crawling around and they were scared and they were in pain and they were reaching f- to me with their hands for help. And I, I reached towards one of them just without thought because that's just the kind of person I am. I, I mean, I just try to jump right in and help people when I see a need. And the Lord Jesus nail-pierced hands went right through my hands and picked the person up and then I knew that I was called to take you know one of the least of these because what you do to the least of these you've done unto him Mm. and so it was a real calling and my husband and I knew that God had specifically called us to take care of this little boy Mm. and it wasn't love at first sight you know when Mm. you have your own baby You just can't stop looking at him. Well, this little guy didn't look normal, of course. Mm. So, you know, you can imagine when, when we first saw him, he, you know, he doesn't look anything like us, of course. That's one thing. And then he, he wasn't very friendly. And it wasn't a warm, cozy feeling at all because he was, he, you know, there was this thing coming out of his throat and there was mucus and all this. It was just a, it was a very... Like you really had to get your hands dirty when you're taking care of this child with the diapering and the the changing of the trach and all this stuff. So it's a whole new territory. So basically we chose to love him. It wasn't, it just, it didn't come right off the bat, but we chose to love him. And now it's as if he's been grafted into our hearts as if I, I carried him in my womb. And I feel like when I got him, he was like a newborn and I feel like I've nursed him at my breast, even though I never actually nursed him at my breast. But I felt like all the nurturing that I've had to put into this child because of all of his special needs, it caused us to have this eternal bond that is so divine. It's like we are one. Like he is, this child is as if he was born from my own womb. Because that's how... Um, God had had knit him in and grafted him in to my heart. So amazing. And and Aaron would not take sitting down the fact that he was just this little vegetable, but she fought and fought and fought for him. And and now through operations, he is walking. I mean, running. I mean, it's unbelievable. I never could dream the day that I would see him just running everywhere. And it's just... 
Well, all the specialists, I, I had a fight against them, actually. I was like their worst nightmare. And you can remember, Nancy, the times I would come and I'd tell you the, the other fight I had the other day, and you guys would just get so excited. Woo! You would always say, you don't want to go against that lady. Boy, she'll she'll get you going. Yes. <laughs> and so I, I, I had to fight tooth and nail against some of the some of the specialists and the therapists and everything. And I had to fire doctor after doctor after therapist. You don't have any idea how many people I have fired. <laughs> like I, I went to get different doctors because I wasn't messing around. I needed a doctor that was willing to listen to me and to help me help this child. I've had doctors tell me that I was the worst pain in the neck, the thorn in their side, because they said they, they, they couldn't believe that I actually thought this kid was going to walk. They were like, he has cerebral palsy. He's never going to walk. You could fix his leg till the sun goes down, and it's not going to ever come right. And I said, but God can work a miracle in this child. And I see it in his eyes. I see that he wants to do stuff and be normal. And he was just crippled because of all their drugs and how they just didn't believe in him. He was completely like left a vegetable in a cage, like an animal in a cage. And it was just absolutely detestable what they did to this child. And they were quite prepared to pour out this money from the government oh, all over half him. Half a the... million a year. Yeah, for the rest of his life. Oh, yeah. I mean, he was like what you call a cash cow, which they actually, I, I believe with all of my heart, the, the ne neglect that was for this child was unbelievable and unacceptable. I couldn't accept that any human being should be just made money off of like that. Mm. I said, I don't care what I have to do. I'm going to get them all broke. They're not making any more money off of this kid. I'm done. And I just fought hard. And this child, within about, I think it was about nine months, I was able to fire all the nurses, and I was able to fire all the therapists, and I was able to fire all of them and get him out of DCS clutches. And I had adopted him, and he was just starting to take off and thrive. He didn't need a whole entourage of caretakers. He just needed a mother. Mm -hmm. He didn't need, I mean, many, many hands make light work, but sometimes there's too many cooks in the kitchen, and it gets really confusing. And too many handlers and too many people, pocketbooks getting filled up because of this child and it was just absolute nonsense and now this child is you you have to work really hard to find something wrong with them now yes oh yes it's just unbelievable i just wanted you to know about this absolute miracle read the story again and and above ruby's 99 but the miracle's just far beyond uh when she wrote that article it's just so amazing and then um above ruby's 100 the latest one um Erin has two of her daughters on the front cover, um, both Megan and Molly with their beautiful little babies. And um, little Isla, Megan's baby, is my great-granddaughter and Erin's granddaughter and Pearl's granddaughter. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yes, and uh, so that's so wonderful. And so we've been grafted into the Campbell family. Yes. We're all family now, for sure, for sure. Yes, so great. And uh, yesterday, Erin and I 
actually did another talk show together, uh, which we haven't done for about three and a half years. Right, because I didn't, I had my hands full, really. I mean, because she adopted Alex, and in the midst of of fighting for Alex and doing all that she had to do, full time, absolute, I mean, goodness, 300% mothering, she also adopted little Catherine, the little Down syndrome girl. So she had both of them. (laughs) And And, and I must say, Catherine gives you a run for your money. That one there, she's about. Ten Alexes. <laughs> but we love her. She's amazing. Yes, yes. So anyway, we got back together and uh, we did this talk show yesterday. Oh, it's a real radical one. You'll have to watch it. How do they watch it? They go to my Facebook page, which is called Keeper of the Homestead blog. So you just go on there and it's it's just a... a a regular Facebook page. It's not a profile. It's just a, a business type page. It's my Keeper of the Homestead blog page. And they can just see it. It's right there. It's the first post right right now it is. There might be added things by the time this is posted. But yeah, they can, I'm going to repost it, try to repost it on YouTube. And I'll try to repost it also on my www.keeperofthehomestead.com blog page also, which is a different it's not to do with Facebook, but they're all kind of connected. That's how it works. Yes. So you can get to um, listen and watch that, and I'm sure you will be mightily blessed. And so uh, now we're here together. We're going to do this together. And then Erin um, has to pop over to Pearlie's because she's got to do a podcast with her. So you're really being pottied out today. <laughs> and actually, I think you and Pearl are going to do It's going to be Pearl and Erin instead of Serene and Pearl because mm-hmm. Serena's in Mexico, meant to get home last night, but... Um, you know, planes have cancelled and they are stuck and won't be home till tomorrow night. <laughs> so then Aaron comes to save the day. Yes. <laughs> so anyway, okay. Well, now I want to move on uh, to, okay, the very beginning. If we're going to be the transmitters of God's ways to the next generations. We've got to start at the very beginning. Well, we did start last week about bringing our children to Jesus at a young age, but we've also got to talk about fathering, mothering, marriage, homemaking, because they are the foundation of a nation the foundation of our lives. They are the very first thing that God ever talked about. And you know, I was just noticing this morning in, G- in Genesis 2, 24, where it says, and you all know this scripture, where it says, Therefore shall a man leave his father and mother and shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. Now, do you notice that in that one little scripture, we get the whole picture of God's plan for society. It's all there in one little scripture. Okay, we start off with one flesh, that's marriage, where God brings a couple together. They become one 
flesh, marriage. And then from that one flesh union comes forth babies, which God loves. And that's how he planned it. And so babies come forth. And of course, who's going to look after the babies? The father and the mother. And the mother, she's the one who's going to be in the home, looking after those babies. And then it mentions also his wife. Well, that's marriage too. She becomes a wife. Isn't that interesting that when uh, God created Eve, that uh, she didn't just appear and think, oh, well, now I've got to discover life and you know, I've got to take on this adventure of discovering this beautiful Eden and, you know, I'll need a few years just finding who I am and, and finding myself and just, you know, having this great life on my own. But no, she didn't ever hardly have one minute on her own. God brought her immediately to the man, and she became a wife, and that was it. And that's how God intends it. And so this is God's plan. In fact, we read there about the father and mother. Um, Do you know where the father and mother were? Are you asking me? Well, I am, but most... Well, (laughs) I imagine they were at their home. Well, actually... Where were they? They weren't there. No, they weren't even there, ladies. God says, therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother. Oh, they weren't there. Now I get it. Wow, there it is. How profound. He left them. So now they're not there anymore. He went to cleave to his wife. No, 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 because they were... (laughs) There was still no father and mother because there was only Adam and Eve. But let me tell you, ladies, they weren't there. I forgot you were talking about Adam and Eve. (laughs) (laughs) No, but this is the amazing thing. The amazing thing, ladies, is that God is speaking forth the roles of father and and mother before we have ever, ever seen them. I mean, nobody had seen a father or mother. Nobody knew what he was talking about. But God is establishing the role even before we have ever seen an actual father and a mother. Isn't that incredible? God is revealing his plan and the how that all of society... It comes from father and mother. And God establishes it there, even before we see them in reality. Wow. It is so amazing. So amazing. And, and we see this over again, over in um, Genesis chapter 3, verse 20. And here, this is where Adam is naming his wife. And it says, and Adam called his wife's name Eve because she was the mother of all living. Well, Eve was not a mother when God, when Adam called her Eve. She didn't know anything about motherhood. She never had a baby, never nursed a baby at her breast. Adam had never seen a mother. But Adam was speaking under the unction of God. He was speaking prophetically. And once again, this prophetic word comes forth. God is establishing 
motherhood before we've ever seen a mother. Isn't that amazing? It's so amazing. Yes. And now I'm so embarrassed. That oh, I no. Like, <laughs> you don't have Adam to be embarrassed. And Eve. We were well, talking about fathers and mothers, didn't they? They did, but I, you yes. really, you tricked me. Oh, that no, was trick, was trick, you trick question. <laughs> <laughs> a trick question, but I think most people never really even think about it. But it makes us think about it, doesn't it? It but sure it, does. But you see, this shows the value that God puts upon father and mother. It's his plan. He established it. It's his way. And God does not have another plan. Amen. He doesn't. And it's a so good plan. Erin and I have been, you know, talking different times and, and just saying how we believe that it's the hour to elevate fatherhood and motherhood, marriage, homemaking. These, uh, this is what God established in the beginning. And because God established it, the devil hates it. And he has, from the beginning, tried to just pull it apart. He, he, he tries to destroy it. He just tries to destroy marriages. He, 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 he tries to destroy fatherhood. He tries to woo mothers out of the home. But I believe we've got to get the truth and we've got to embrace it and we've got to uh, do it in a way uh, that we've never done it before. Amen. And then he also wants to get women to stop having children because the then they can, the devil does because mm -hmm. then they they don't have enough to occupy their time as they as they have too much time on their hands guess what happens devil's play playground when they have too much time on their hands and then they become busy bodies so that's another reason why I adopted two more children because I didn't have a womb anymore that's a whole nother story sorry don't have time for that story, but I don't have time to be a busybody because I'm too busy being a mother again. Yes, yes. Well, actually, sometime you'll have to tell that story because it's a pretty powerful story, isn't it? Oh, yes. Ooh, yes. And um, that's another thing. The womb of the woman is such a powerful thing. And uh, the devil, he likes to get rid of wombs, doesn't well, he? And it's in my, my memoir. It's advertised in your um, magazine, the mm. memoirs of the keeper. Because mm. the keeper of the home, yeah. memoirs of the keeper. It was the first book. And I do tell the story in there as well. Yes, yes. <clears throat> oh, and that was, you know, such a sad story. But you outwitted the devil yes <laughs> we did we sure did and we are busy as ever and i'm in yes. just loving my busy season yes and i think it's when we don't have that vision that god wants us to have of the home i mean it, it's just you know it's it's this drifting into the thinking of society and uh, you know in the, of course the education system women grow up are uh, being told and educated indoctrinated and indoctrinated, indoctrinated yes into I, all these perverse ideologies yes and against motherhood I mean, they are actually indoctrinated against it. So when you come into motherhood, I know many of you have, you come into motherhood and, and you have this baby and you just love this baby, but you're not loving motherhood 
because you've had so much indoctrination against it. And, oh, yes, you love this baby, but but what am I doing in my home? I should be out of my career. And this is, oh, I mean, I'm not doing anything here. And, and so we have this whole confusion. We love our children, but we don't love motherhood. And I believe this is where we have to change because it's not enough to just love our children. We've got to come to that place of actually loving motherhood because this is God's perfect will. It's his plan. And it's all in the perspective that you have. If your perspective is, oh, it's a drudgery and, oh, I'm such a slave to my home. Oh, woe is me, woe is me, woe is me. Or you could say, wow, I get to be the most creative mother of the century. I get to get up every morning and and I get to think of all new um, strategies and challenges for every day, like to conquer and figure out. And I get to be the queen of my home and I get to be the the top chef in, in the the best baker. And I get to, and, you know, and you get to do all and you get to be the nurse get to be the nurse and the doctor and the interior designer i mean scratch all those careers aside those junk when you get to you get to call all the shots you get to like do it all your way you don't have to have a boss telling you what to do and then the drudgery of going to your job every day and then and then coming home and you still got a pan full of dishes and you still gotta cook a meal you might as well just Give up those things and, and just take on your your whole career of motherhood with gusto. Yes, absolutely. And I love the scripture in First Timothy 5, 14, where it says, I will therefore that the younger women marry, bear children, guide the house, give none occasion to the adversary to speak reproachfully. And so... What does the speaking reproachfully mean? Well, I think that just means that they can uh, say adverse things, um, you know, if they're not... If a woman, and this is the thing, there is so much reproach against motherhood because, um, you know, I don't think women have actually gloried in their motherhood and therefore there's all this negativity about it, you know. But what does it say there? That women should to marry and bear children and guide the house. Now, guide the house, that doesn't really portray it, because the phrase in the Greek is, um, what is it, Um, let me get it, oikodespoteo, oikos, meaning home, despotes, meaning to be the ruler, to be the manager, the queen. queen. Yes, we (laughs) love being the queen of our home. There's nothing more honorable than being the queen of your home yes and so this is who we are meant to be the queen we we are the boss now it doesn't mean to say that we rule over our husbands the word of god is not saying that but it's saying that we rule our home we manage our home we it is our domain and and god has given both to men and women something within them that wants to take dominion says that in the very beginning be fruitful multiply uh, fill the earth and take dominion so there's this thing in us but god has given us 
the sphere of our dominion. It is our home. It is our garden. It is our whole sphere of, of what God has given us to, to make and to, to raise our families. And it can be as boring and as drudgery and as pitiful as we want, or it can be as um, wonderful and glory and amazing as we want to make it. Amen, sister. Yes, it all depends on our thinking, our understanding of the truth and making it what we want it to be. Joy and contentment is a choice. Yes, that is true. Well, we've got to close this session, but just as we close, just, well, you've already said it a little bit, Erin, but just share again, okay, that just, you know, you wake up in the morning and uh, how do you feel as you get up in your home? I just feel like life is a gift and I feel like, wow, I have another day that I can just go out to my kitchen and, oh, I'm going to bake bread today. Am I gonna, going to make some yogurt today? Am I, oh, what kind of meals am I going to plan? And, oh, am I going to organize a cabinet or something? It's just so exciting. Yes, it's amazing, you know, how God, um, he created us, he created male, he created female, but all of us to be creative beings because he is the creator. He has created us with this, uh, this ability and this something within us that wants to create. Now, when we are queen of our home, we have that freedom and that opportunity to create mm -hmm. so much that is lovely and wonderful and precious and amazing um, as we just, you know, make our homes a sanctuary for God and to raise our children. But we better stop um, because we'll just keep yes, going. We'll have to come back and discuss more because there's so much more fun things to discuss about this. Yeah, we'll do that. <laughs> Lord, we do thank you so much. Uh, again, we're always full of thanks to you for your goodness and all your blessings. And Lord, I want to thank you for your wonderful plan, your plan which you established in the very, very beginning. Lord God, it's all there for us. Save us from drifting away from your plan, from letting it go. Oh, God, help us to hold on to that which you have given us and never let it go. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.